0: Hey man, hello, and welcome to Relaxed Mail. I'm your host, Brian, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to the show and see what is, is happening in the world of, of the Relaxed Mail. Relaxed Mail is a show that is designed to help men to better connect with their sons so that they can actually help to influence their, their kids to become confident, strong, confident adults in, in the future. The show itself is actually a free show. I don't charge anything for it. Uh, it's always going to be free, but that doesn't mean that there's there's not a price that I would I, I ask for the show. If you like the show, if you gain any type of insight, any type of of uh, information that you find useful, you f- think of a friend who could find this useful. I ask that you share this episode out, share this show out onto your Facebook, your Twitter, parlor, whatever, uh, Acuna, you know, whatever, whatever social network you are prevalent in, share this out with the, with your, with your crowd, with your, with your peeps, so that they can see and come to know what relaxed smell is about. That's all I ask is that you share it out. If, and to, uh, to be able to, help other men to come to understand what relaxed male is and how it can actually help them. Now, this week, we're going to be talking about toxic positivity. Weird topic, I know. It's like, what, uh, what is toxic positivity? And we're going to get into this because it's a little bit on the weird side, and I want to be able to share that out with you. But before that... We have a uh, question of the week. Now, if you're ever interested in having, uh, if you have a question that you would like to ask me and are curious to see what I have to say about uh, something or give my insights on a particular issue, problem, or whatever, you can always send an email to me by going, uh, sending it to Brian with a Y at relaxedmail.com. Or if you don't want to try to remember my email address, that's fine. You can go to relaxmail.com forward slash contact. And there is a uh, a, a form there that you can fill out and ask your question, give any background you want to give, and send it off to me, and I'll answer it here on the show. If I don't have any type of questions like that, then I usually will just go on ahead and jump over to Cora and find something that I've seen, uh, that I come across and I find that be kind of interesting, and I go ahead and use it. This week actually is a, is going to delve a little political, but not entirely. So if you're, you're getting really tired of all the politics now that the elections are over, sorry, uh, getting out of the whole political mindset thing. And but this one person asked, should the government play any role in the parent-child relationship? Are there, circum- are there any circumstances where outside involvement, support restrictions is or are acceptable? Who gets the final say in what happens to a child? Boom. This is such a a huge topic and something I may address further on down the road. And... Because yeah, there's a. This is this is something big. Now, what I responded to him with this was basically I kind of addressed the very first question. Um, Didn't really address the second, uh, the other two questions, and I'm going to do that on here on this one, uh, on the on the show here. I replied to: Should the government actually be playing a role in raising a child? My answer is a strong and emphatic no no not it doesn't there's no it depends in that the answer is flat out no um now why can't the government be uh of use to raising a child well first off who knows the child better the mom and dad or some mindless faceless bureaucrat Now, go off and say we have a 1984 scenario where, or like we're uh, in Soviet Russia. The kids are not of the parents. When the kid is born, it is a ward of the state. Instantly, boom, ward of the state. The state has to say as to where they go. They do all the different tests and see where the kid probably has a... uh, an aptitude and an ability to, uh, natural talent towards something. And if they have a a way of being able to apply that to better the, the state, they'll use it. They'll put that kid into say mechanics. If they happen to figure out, know that they can fit different size wrenches onto different size nuts. You know, they, it's, it's really basic, but Try to take, if you were to take the government and all of a sudden you've got millions of kids that they're supposed to be responsible, this government is supposed to be uh, responsible for, you have to start looking at the inefficiency of the government. The government can only, can't take every individual kid as a special interest. So, what happens is they start going by the average of the kid. So, the kids that are exceptionally bright and naturally talented, entrepreneurs doing their own thing, going their own way, they're going to be left out. They're going to start being hammered, driven down to make sure that they become like the normal. The kids that are on the opposite end of the spectrum, not saying they're dumb. But the special needs kids, the ones who are slower at learning, all those types of kids, they're going to be looked at, but they'll, and they'll be trying to, they'll push them up higher. And at first, I originally was saying that everybody will drop down to the slowest kid. They'll be, they'll, they'll dumb everything down to the lowest common denominator. And the more I got to thinking about it, I was like, no, those kids will actually, just kind of get put into a special program and eventually just forgot about. So it'll be the middle of the road. And so when you have a whole bunch of people who are just aiming for middle of the road, they're not going for the uber best. They're not going for the uber worst. They're just aiming for the middle of the road. There's not going to be any exceptional abilities found. There's not going to be anything special coming out. Um, And the dreams and the hopes of the kids are not going to be focused in on When it comes to raising the kids, because well, it's it's a, a social worker who will probably have you know 500 kids in their in their workload. Maybe not 500. It may, but it'll maybe 30. But still, that's a lot of kids to have to worry about. Now, if you want an example of this, you don't have to look any further than our current school system, our public schools. We all had one of the big problems that we all had was I'm sure you had one teacher that was just hell bent on making sure that you are broken. Like a, you know, like, like they break a wild stallion. You don't, you don't take, they do what they can to crush any spirit of independence you may have. You got dreams and ambitions and they ridicule you for it. Do you have, uh, you are, doing something you're just minding your business you may have a teacher that just likes doesn't like you which happens i know i i didn't have a teacher that quote out came all out and quote unquote didn't like me but i know my son i did he had a teacher who at least by through my eyes looks like he was she was just hell-bent on trying to prove that he was you know that he was up to no good and that he was, you know, a a a problem kid. Now, granted, he did have issues. He did like to act out in class. But it wasn't to the point that this particular teacher wanted to take on uh, with my son. So there are teachers out there who... Whether they realize it or not, are not going to take the special abilities in in, in mind. So you're going to end up having social workers who just have a, an exceptionally bright child that become is just naturally independent and 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 strong-willed, and that social worker will do everything to make sure they crush that. Now, the person asking this question may not have been asking for something quite that grandeur, but another example is when the government decided to start helping um, the the poor. Uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson created this this thing called the Great Society. Now, I am depending on who you talk to, it was either done on purpose or it was just a a benevolent act that just decimated families and the great society did it took the two parent families of the the black community and the poor white community took that took those that community those two particular communities and decimated them, where all of a sudden, all those two-parent families died off. Now you've got a whole bunch of single-parent families, because it's actually, they look at it in the means of money. If you are a single parent, and you've got three kids, you're going to get more money than if you are a two-parent household with three kids, because all of a sudden, dad's bringing some money in mom may be working three jobs and making the same amount of money but the moment dad comes into the picture all of a sudden they lose if not half the amount of their of their their food stamps and and benefits to to all of it and so unwed families because of great society bloomed and now you have a whole bunch of kids because the government was trying to help they had this unintended consequence of now you've got a whole bunch of kids who don't have two-parent families. Dad's not in the picture. Dad went out to get cigarettes one night and never came back. Mom's jumping from, you know, abusive uh, boyfriend to abusive boyfriend, abusive boyfriend, and now they're, you know, what's that doing to the kids? The the government can't help the kids nearly as well as a two-parent household can. The boys need to have a man in their life. And that man can't be a faceless Uncle Sam. It has to be a man, primarily the father. If the dad's in the picture, the boys behave a lot better. There's a lot less crime. There's a lot less uh, uh, drug usage With uh, when you have, a, have two parents in the house. Now, it doesn't always happen. I mean we there are times where you know parents will face a a an issue where there's some type of problem where the the, the boy has has fallen in with the wrong crowd those do happen. And there are things that you could do. Now, are there are times that the government might be able to help. Oh, I'm sure they, there are. They could probably be able to provide some type of of counseling. may not be the best because that counselor will probably have, you know, 50 other kids that they're looking at. And so they're trying to divide 50 kids in uh, with one-hour sessions out in, within a week. And then there's parents who just aren't looking to help their kids. They're more emotionally immature and so they're not out to look out for the betterment of the kids they're too busy trying to worry about their own emotional chaos that they have in their lives than to worry about what junior is and that happens in in married families as it does with single parent families but that is having a kid and having the realizing that oh i've got i am fully responsible for this kid causes a lot of parents to really smarten up and go, you know what, we've got to do this. We've got to get this child raised and raised in a in a good environment. And when the, that type of responsibility is laid upon people, a lot of times the emotional maturity climbs exponentially. So can the government help? No, I don't think it really can. Now, are there exemptions uh, or circumstances outside uh, where outside involvement, support, restrictions, and such uh, is or are acceptable? Yes, outside uh, involvement being uh, other men in the uh, like uh, maybe a single mother has has a son, and she goes to their the church that they go to if they do go to a church. And they find a mentor there. There's mentorships. There's, you know, there's a lot of other outside clubs and groups that help boys understand their role as men in society that are not government-run. Ones that are run by the government, they're, going to, they're there, but I would not ever recommend somebody going there unless that was just their final straw. So who gets the final say and what happens to a child? Well, if you let the government run run uh, the job, then guess who's going to have the final say? It's going to be the government. You don't own the kid. The kid's not yours. And there's already teachers and other uh, other people out there who want you to not have any responsibility for the kid. They want to take that control away from you. Black Lives Matter. They actually advocate for the destruction of the patriarchal family dynamic in the uh, or what do they call it the Western patriarchal family I believe it was some they phrase it in something very similar to that if it's not exactly but they want the they are advocating for the destruction of that dynamic which is horrible who would if they get rid of the mom and dad dynamic for a uh, in the world who takes over it it would be the government again. bad uh, bad choice for the exact reasons that I gave before. No one can actually understand and appreciate the talents and the light in your son's eyes nearly as much as you can. And so that's where who gets the final say, what happens to the child? The parents should. And I don't should on things very often, but for this, the parents should and need to have the final say. The government needs to just bow out because the government does not know their chi- the that child in hand at all. So with that, let's jump on over into toxic positivity as the main topic this week. Now, you've heard toxic positivity. What is that? Well, toxic positivity, according to some, and the first example that i'm going to look at is over at the science of i don't know what type of uh where they actually get their uh what they stand for i didn't do a whole lot of research into the website and whether it's um uh like the uh science for the advancement of people or whatever it is whether it's actually just two people who decided to make themselves a, a, an organization but According to the science of people they stated that uh, a toxic positivity can be an or is an invisible force causing people to become less successful, more selfish and even more gullible. All right. Now, toxic positivity. That is let me I'm want first off, I want to go ahead and break this down. Toxic positivity is—I really detest when people use the term toxic, whatever toxic masculinity, people toxic relationships, you know toxic whatever. I get what they're trying to say is that you know it's just a, a an act that is supposed to cause people other people harm, but there's a problem with that. First off, people aren't toxic. All right, we have to, being toxic means that you carry some means of delivering poison to another person. All right? We don't produce any type of toxin that way. It's, the second part of that is saying that your emotions and your actions make people feel a particular way. And the, and all reality, no, that is not it. That's not the case. And that is the farthest from the truth. Because I cannot make you feel happy. It's the same as you can't make me feel bad. I can't make you feel, you know, feel anything. And you can't make me feel anything. Emotions come from a thought that from a particular circumstance, you have a circumstance that creates a thought, that thought creates the emotion. That emotion is nothing more than a vibration that is felt throughout your body. And so that's why sometimes, you know, like if you uh, are embarrassed, you feel very lightheaded, you feel a lot of pressure in your brain in your body. Um, If you are angry or you are um, upset. It may be like a hot, heavy pressure on your chest or across the back of your shoulders. You know, those are that's the sensation of an emotion. Now that emotion creates an action, so you act upon that uh, upon that that emotion. That emotion then that action creates your results. So. Right off the bat, is there toxic positivity? No, there's. It's impossible for there to be toxic positivity. Now, what they're getting at though is that there are people who can be too positive in the world. Say you just got fired, and they're going, "Well, you know," or not even just got fired. Maybe you just got yelled at at work, and you're trying to tell a friend. And according to what uh, the science people. Uh, point out is there are two ways people react either they are oh well i'm sorry that must make you feel really bad which again no it doesn't make them feel really bad they chose to feel bad or there is those who are the positive folks it's like we'll look on the bright side at least you still have a job and they're saying, well, you're just invalidating all their all their emotions. No, you're not invalidating all their emotions. But you are giving them a chance to be able to see that it's not as all bad. Now, they do define toxic positivity as this. As an unauthentic happiness that can cause damage in a personal or professional relationship. And they split that out into two different forms, toxic positivity that you experience from someone or or give to someone and toxic positivity that you inflict upon yourself. So apparently you're poisonous to yourself by being too happy is how I'm actually uh, taking what they say because they're completely ignoring the fact that like, there's been studies that have shown that if you can, act, if you actually smile, even though you don't feel like it, if you smile, you're actually causing your brain to release hormones to help you feel happy. It's actually impossible for you to be mad and smile at the same time. Now, you may smile, and then when you stop smiling, you're going to have those, those negative emotions rush back. Now you can do that, and a lot of people do. I've seen a lot of people who, oh God, I can't believe you. Oh hi, how you doing? Yeah, doing good. All right. Yeah, thanks, Okay, see You, you know, and then uh, you dirty dog. You know, you turn right around and you talk trash about them behind you. That's not toxic positivity. That is called it's just getting along in society. Um. What this sadly looks like to me is there are people who are like, who don't, the way I read through this and the way I have kind of interpreted this and in a couple of the other uh, posts that I've seen is that we get, when it comes to being, being happy, they almost think that Even being too happy all the time is bad for you. You should be feeling miserable from time to time. You should be feeling like a low down dirty dog. You should don't be happy because everybody else is is miserable. Uh, And in all reality, no. If you, this is a part of the. I talked about this week about the being an individual, standing out above the crowd. uh, Sometimes called the tall poppy. Where you are just, you know, you're focusing in on you. You're getting your stuff done. You're not worrying about why Sam over in accounting is having a bad day. Now, if you're a friend with Sam over in accounting, great. You may want to find out why he's down, and you may want to listen to why he's down, and you may want to help him to change his his mindset so that he can not be down all the time. Now are we always going to feel happy and shiny and 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 bubbly? No, that's just that's life. We know that life ha- is 50-50. 50% happy, 50% pain. There is a time when you're going to be all sorts of joyous and happy and jumping up and down and laughing your head off and being some of the some of the biggest smiling smiles on your face and all this other stuff. And then there's going to be times when your grandma Edna has died and you're just finding out about it and you were just talked to her two days ago and she looked she seemed like she was doing such a great time having a great time and all of a sudden boom she's dead and i loved her and i spent all those you know all those summers running around in in the forest behind her house and all these you know you have all these memories of her and the sadness that you feel is not a bad thing which is one thing i want to point out being sad because you lost someone is not bad. That is actually to be sad and to grieve a person is a beautiful, beautiful thing they experience. To be sad because you lost your mother is a beautiful experience because you are actually celebrating the fact that you got to know her and that you loved her and that that's, there's a a emotional connection that has been ripped apart. That's one reason why you, when we were young and in high school and you found a girlfriend for the first time and it lasted that whole it was super intense, never going to break up two months later, it goes to y'all go to two separate directions. And one of y'all or both of y'all are just, you know, miserable. Well, that's because you had an emotional connection. You had a, you had a belief that got destroyed. You experience that stuff, and that's good that you experience that stuff because you realize, hey, I can get past that. I can become better. I can become stronger. I can become more resilient. I become more confident in my emotional strength. I become emotionally more mature with each hardship that I come across. You have someone pull pull out in front of you in a, in a uh, at an intersection. And you slam on your brakes and you miss them by two inches and you're like, you know, you're blowing up at them. But they're like, you see them on the phone and they're, if you pay attention, you see that they are, are, look scared. And it's not because that you almost hit them. They're scared because they probably are on the call with their wife saying that they're taking their daughter to the hospital because she's unconscious. People are. People are able to become stronger because of those negative emotions. And when you become emotionally stronger, you are able to find yourself into in happier situations, no matter what. You can actually look at someone and you see that they're emotionally struggling and so you want to and try to help them. And that's sadly what the science of people.com is saying is don't help them. Keep them let them feel miserable. Well, no. That's exactly the opposite of what a good friend's supposed to do. Yeah, we help them. We empathize with them. But at the same time, you're not going to sit there and encourage them to continue feeling like dirt if they're saying, well, she just left me because she has another man. No, dude, she left you because you weren't working. You know, we're going to point out the BS if you're a good friend because i believe i'm one that believes a if you are a good enough friend i'm willing to lose you as a friend by being a friend and i have i've lost friends lost a really good friend friendship had one crumble because i wasn't going to take his side of an argument that him and his wife were having It was like, and my, my saw what I saw on it was no, he's the one that was sitting at the house all day doing nothing when she was out busting her butt every day at work. And she really got kind of tired of it. And so, and so she got tired of it enough to where she was going to leave or not going to, she did leave. And he wanted me to beg her to come back to the house. It's like, no, dude, this is your—that's that's a mess that you made, and it's because of this. And you don't want to face up to it. And because of that, they, we had to—he, she ended up going back to him, and they still married and still doing great. But I was not about to—I I lost that friendship because I was not going to play into his victim mindset. And that's where they're saying toxic positivity can cause a problem. Now, if you're using a positive, if you're just, all right, all right, yeah, we're going to do good. We're going to, you know, and we're you're almost obnoxiously happy. And yeah, you can be obnoxiously happy. I love being obnoxiously happy just because I love seeing the eyes roll in a lot of people's heads. But if you're using the excuse of being positive as a means to repress negative emotions, that can be a problem. Because you're denying the your emotions their time in the light. Yeah. Like I said, if you're if you're sad, maybe you got your butt chewed on by by the boss and you're all, you know, you're just upset about that. Well what are you gonna what am I do about it? Well, experience that emotion. Allow that emotion to be give yourself space for that emotion and just let that emotion be get, become processed and let it process through and live its short term life because all emotions are really just not, they're nothing they last for a little while yeah there's times where you may have a wave of sadness followed by another wave of sadness followed by another wave of sadness but that wave of sadness if you allow it to process, becomes a little shorter every time and becomes a little less and a little less and not quite as strong. That's why time heals all wounds. But if you're using the uh, positive mindset strictly to just deny any type of, any other emotion to occur, you may have a problem there. That's where it will build up and it will come out and cause a problem for you later. So if there you can have a problem but it's only going to be if you're using it to actually repress. If you're if you're able to process the anger, you you know, you how dare he cut me off or you know, how why did uh, Jones get the promotion and I did and I've been here 3 years longer. Well, Sit down and actually take the responsibility for what your actions are, and you will actually understand that you have no place to be mad because you were one who was leaving at at 4.30 in the afternoon every Friday, and you were coming in at 8.15 on Monday morning. And as soon as 5 o'clock hit, you were out while Jones, he stayed until 7 to finish up different projects. He worked a little bit harder. He sacrificed a little bit to actually be able to earn that promotion. He provided more value than what you provided. So you can process your emotions. You can understand where those emotions are coming from, Where understand what's causing those emotions, and you will become actually happier because you can process those emotions more efficiently more confidently and quicker and so therefore you will be able to return back to a state of at least being content if not happy a lot faster than if you are just masking it going ah no 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 i know i know he's he's just being a jerk but it's okay i'm not feeling anything well, I, that may be the case. You may not feel anything. You may not care what he thinks, but unlike what what um, science of people says, where they're less successful, no, most people who are successful are actually fairly selfish because they are willing to stand out and be above the uh, be above the grade, be above everybody else. That's why. They are, and they're able to do that because they are a lot. They are able to process their 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 faults, and they are able to process the failures that they have in their attempts, and are able to get over it faster, pick themselves up, and get to marching again. And so, with that, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you very much for listening, and if you like this show, if you would. be so kind as to go over to relaxedmail.com forward slash pod chaser, that's podchaser. That's P O D C H A S E R. And leave a rating and review if you want to be able to receive these uh, podcast episodes that come out every Thursday, delivered to your phone, tablet, whatever listening device you have please subscribe. You can go to relaxmail.com forward slash subscribe, and you will see a list of different ways that you subscribe. I've got subscription uh, buttons available for people with Apple, people with uh, uh, Android. I've got for people who like to listen on Spotify, which, okay, if you listen on Spotify, thank you for listening, but there are better apps out there that you can get this podcast on that won't, you know, drown you in ads. But I've got about all the major um, podcast apps out there. You know, Pod, uh, uh, Overcast, Undercast, um, and the like, Castro, all the all the ones that most people have heard of. I've got a link for them. If you don't see the link there, I've also got the RSS feed, so you can at least just manually add it to the to the to the to your app of choice that way. So guys, thank you again for listening. Hope you have a great rest of the week. And if you uh if you would please um share this out again. And if you are interested in finding a, of coming a, uh, around and having a means of being able to have a better life be able to find how how to make yourself stronger emotionally, stronger, uh, more determined. Find out what your what your your passion in life is. I've got a program that's available. It was called the Brotherhood of Men. This is a men's group that is designed so that we all sit down and we help each other. We meet once a week. I've got four different times that you can actually meet. We got some morning times. We got a couple of evening times. And we start, when we meet, we sit down and we focus in on what needs to be done so that you can get yourself ahead of the, of the rest of the people uh, around you and become more successful, uh, help yourself become more healthy, become, you know, build up that, that community. We focus in on the four pillars of the relaxed male and help, our, and help each other to become stronger, better more competent men so that we can draw the influence of our of our children to us so that they actually want to listen and hear what dad has to say if you feel like you would this is something you would like to to be a part of please go to relaxmail.com forward slash brotherhood and down at the bottom of the page you will see a form to fill out and from there i'll get a hold of you and we'll sit down and we'll talk and we'll uh we'll have some uh We'll see how good of a fit you are, and uh, and be able to uh, figure out what uh, which of the uh, the four groups would be the best for you. And I'll let you know right now, if you actually want some inexpensive one-on-one coaching, now's the time to join the Brotherhood because the Brotherhood month uh, month-to-month fee is by far way cheaper than doing one-on-one coaching with me. So, anyhow, guys, thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you later. Y'all take care. Talk to you then. Bye.